Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1110. Uh, hey, head on over to ID10T.com uh, for new and vintage fun pop culture merch and sign up for the email list uh, there just so we can notify you of things. Because uh, they, as I keep saying, there's we're we're adding more and more fun stuff. We're we've got some fun things in the works, and we'd love to share it with you. So uh, go sign up for the email list, please. It is helpful. And um, let's talk about the ID10T Community Corkboard events at ID10T.com for the goings on in the ID10T community. Uh, like this email from a band called Phantom Ships who describes themselves as a uh, psychedelic noise rock band out of Greenville, South Carolina, um, uh, it, from the, in the likes of Sonic Youth and The OCs. Uh, they say, we wrote, recorded, mixed, and distributed the album on our own and couldn't be more proud of it. It's available to stream on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, YouTube, and Pandora. You can get more information about us on Instagram at Phantom Ships or at bandcamp.com slash SC. Uh, all right, events at ID10T.com for your thing that you want to share with the ID10T community. This episode is Eve Hewson, who is in a show that my wife and I loved that uh, has been on Netflix for a couple weeks now called Behind Her Eyes. It's uh, great. We loved it. We were in from the get-go. Uh, I, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to give anything away. But it's just one of those like, oh, geez, you just feel uncomfortable and you're squir- you, you feel squirmy while you're watching it because you're like, what is going on? And then it, it, things unfold. I guess it's like a psychological thriller is probably the best way to describe it uh, without giving too much away. But it's, but it's really great. And uh, Eve is really great in it. Uh, she's been in a lot of great stuff like The Nick. She was on The Nick. And also um, Eve is from Ireland, which I talk a lot about because... Um, you know, when it is uh, safe and responsible to travel again, that's the first place Lydia and I are going to go. Um, uh, so we are we are really dying to go to Ireland. So I asked uh, Eve uh, a lot of Ireland questions. So uh, fantastic conversation, wonderful guest, and a really fantastic actor. So uh, here is the ID10T podcast number 1110 with Eve Hewson. Initiating ID10T protocol. I'm sorry, I'm not going to play guitar for the podcast. My producer, Katie, is a, uh, her boyfriend is a guitar <laughs> expert. And so I was just showing her, I got this snazzy, uh, vintage looking but new guitar. Beautiful. It looks very nice. Where are you? Is this your studio? Well, this is, uh, uh, well, it was, yeah. I mean, when people came to do things in person, it was. Right. Um, but, um, and so that's where I am now. This was just a basement that I turned into a log cabin. Well, it looks fun. You look like you're in Aspen. <laughs> and actually, I'm in LA and it's like 60, 70 degrees. Yeah, it's, so it's a sauna. 
It's kind of a sauna, but I well, it's it's kind of cool in the house, and I think I felt guilty because everywhere else in the country is kind of being pounded by winter. And yeah. so I thought, well, I don't want to brag that we are having this amazing weather. So I think. Yes, I exactly. You're doing it as a service to, to humanity. It's just, a service to the other half of America. Just as uh, empathetically to say like, you know, I'm assuming you're in New York, maybe? No, I'm in London. You're in London. Okay. So probably not warm there right now. It's actually quite nice. It's like, it's a, a light jacket for a brisk walk, if you know what I mean. But light jacket to a Londoner is probably like a, a very strong winter coat for someone from Los Angeles. Yes, very much so. Like a puffer, a puffer jacket. A puffer jacket, exactly. That's a light jacket. How is London right now? How are you? I'm good. We're, it's good. It's shut, it's shut down, which has been the case since before Christmas. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're just sort of like getting through it. It's it's quite nice, I have to say, you know, you go out for walks in the park every day and, you know, you feel like there's kind of people around, but obviously you can't go to a restaurant or a shop or anything. Um, but, you know, we're getting through it. We're, we, we open up in April. That's what I read. I read it's, it's, I don't read the news a lot anymore. Yeah, it's not wonderful. <laughs> it, was, it was becoming a strain on our mental health while we were yeah. kind of like trapped in the house. But every, but I kind of do this hunting and pecking thing where I'll just scan for something that looks hopeful and then I'll shut the news app. And yeah. I saw like, oh, April things, you know, and then maybe by June. And I didn't know if it was true or not, but I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to hold on to that. And then I'm going to not look at the news again. Yeah. Well, they've been vaccinating people so much that by the end of June, there will be no restrictions on social gatherings. Oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Have you been shooting during this time at all? I haven't. I wish I have. I've had so many friends who are shooting during this time, and they're obviously because they're actors, they're bitching and moaning about it every five seconds. I'm like, I could, I could strangle <laughs> these people. <laughs> I would love to have spent my pandemic on set. That would have been brilliant. But um, no, I haven't. I had something fall through because of COVID and all these other things sort of moved around and changed. And so I'm waiting now to see when I'm going to shoot this year. Do you know what you're working on next or are you just sort of, I do, uh, yeah. Oh, gotcha. 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 Um, my wife and I started watching uh, behind her eyes last night and we're in, we're a hundred percent. So, What episode are you on? We just, we had finished episode two. Um, uh, and so we're going to, we're going to start. Episode. You haven't even really seen the show. Like most people who have, you, you gotta, you gotta wait. One and two is like, meh. well, we don't, yeah. I don't give anything away for people who haven't seen it yet, because I, I suspect that there are uh, quite some substantial twists coming, but we're in that stage now where the, the show's great. You're fantastic on it. And it's, it's like, we're in that, like, we feel uncomfortable. Like there's something happening and we keep guessing as to what it is. We don't know if it's supernatural or if it's just a little off kilter or something, but, but there yeah. are definitely things happening where we're like, this does not feel okay. What? Okay. Well, I think, and so we've already, we've already like the theories have already begun. Yeah, so it's episode one and two, you kind of think, you know what you're watching. You think, you know, and it's actually been really fun just because all my friends have been coming up with theories as they keep, you know, and they go, I think it's this, 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 this. What do you think? And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then by the end of episode six, they're like, mind has been completely blown. And they never get it right, which is, which is good, I think. No one has been able to guess this. Right. Um, so that's been quite satisfying. But that also probably makes it hard when, if you're doing like, especially junket press, where they have, they ask you like five questions, but you can't, you can't really talk about it. So I how talk about it. It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible it's, to talk about. How do you describe it? Is it, is it a psychological thriller or is it a relationship thriller or is it, how do you describe it? How I've been pitching it is basically a single mother starts an affair with her new boss while simultaneously striking up a secret friendship with his wife. And then there is a secret, a dark secret between their marriage that she starts to uncover. And that's all I can say. 
And then, <laughs> it, so that's that. And then shit goes sideways. And, and then, then, yeah, yeah, it shit hits the fan. Um, yeah. So I haven't been able to explain to anybody. I've just been telling people it's good. They should watch it, which really isn't selling, selling it to anybody. But when people do see it, they lose their minds. Um, and so there's been a huge explosion on Twitter of people's reactions are so funny. Don't go on it because you'll get spoilers. Um, <laughs> well, but people genuinely are glad they've seen it once they've once they've watched the whole thing. And when people kind of sense that something is coming, it's probably more satisfying to be able to binge watch it than to have to wait, you know, two months to see how it's going to play out. Absolutely. Now, this is a binge-worthy show. This is, like, binge it all. I've gotten texts from people at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, like, oh, my God, I have work at 8 a.m., and I guess I'm watching the show. What the hell happens? Who are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just binge it. I mean, I mean, one thing that I'm happy about is that people love it so much and it's such a thrilling ride and right now for people just sitting at home bored out of their minds on the weekends like to give people something to really feel passionately about brings me joy oh good well that's nice that's a good i mean you know uh, of all the times in history to be um stuck in our homes we have a lot of luxuries that have helped sort of pass the time we have literally the internet, the sum total of human knowledge and accomplishment in our, in our pockets, and also literally everything that's ever been produced ever that we summon at will. So we do yeah. have some distractions. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else have you been doing during, uh, are, are, are you playing music? Do you play, in, do you play instruments? I think, I heard you played piano and drums and yes. have you been practicing anything? God, no. <laughs> I've learned how to balance a glass of wine um, uh, in my, by my toes, <laughs> between my toes. Yeah. That's been one of my like favorite hobbies every night yeah. on the couch. Um, no, I yes, I did play the piano. Yes, I did play the drums. I played the guitar. I played the bass, um, and all of those things I should have tackled when I was locked inside for a year, but I didn't do any of that. <laughs> Um, I did a lot of I was running a lot you know I did a lot of like sort of like drinking eating smoking and then like cleansing and then drinking eating smoking cleansing that like sort of pattern was my it was my like how I got through basically all of last year um yeah that's that's what I've been doing I would love to talk to you about Ireland if yeah. I don't, I don't know how much time you spent there, but my wife, I know you were born there, but my wife, I believe is eligible for dual citizenship because her father was first generation American from Donegal and her mother's family lineage is also of Ireland and they both had citizenship. So she's really interested in getting dual citizenship and we would love to spend part of our years in Ireland. You should do it. I mean, I grew up there, so I'm fully 100% an Irish potato. Good. Okay. So I was 18 and I just moved to New York for college. I went to Tisch. Got it. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So good. So I know, you know, you have Dublin on the East coast and then you have Cork in the South and then, but I know the West coast is nice, but. Always Sligo, Mayo. The weather maybe is not like, so let's just talk about like climate zones first. Okay. Good, right. where, where's the good climate zone? You know, because. <laughs> good pessimist. climate zone. <laughs> was that already a stupid <laughs> question? No, no, no. The good climate zone. Uh, there's probably like, there's about, you know, three days in June. Okay. <laughs> A good climate zone. I always tell people to come in June because there, I swear to God, there's always this week. And I remember it when I was in school because we would always have our, our school exams in June. And I'd be going to school and the sun would be shining. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why is this always happening when I have to go do an exam? This is shit. I want to be, you know, running around the fields or like, you know, attempting to get a tan. 
Um, so June is good, but no, in terms of climate, you got pretty much just one tiny little island. So it's going to be four seasons in one day. Christmas. I don't know if you celebrate Christmas, but you do. Okay. So you, then you'd probably be doing like a family thing, but I know a lot of Americans love coming to Dublin for Christmas because we, or actually anywhere in Ireland, we do it really well. It's the full Irish pubs with lock-ins, you know, Irish music, sing songs, like fairy lights and tiny little, you know, um, Irish villages. It's just, it's beautiful, but it's windy. It's rainy. It's, not in any way like Los Angeles. No, she loves all that, by the way. She's, <laughs> my wife is not like it. I love the blue sky and the sun. And yeah. she kind of like, ugh, you know, like, why isn't it raining? Like she likes inclement weather. Yeah. So I think she and also her favorite smell in the world is this like bog incense. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. She used to, they used to go to Donegal when she was a kid. Yeah, you could take it to the bog in Donegal. You could. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm up for it. I think we watched this show on, um, I think it's on HGTV uh, or the Magnolia Network uh, called Escape to the Chateau. And it's about a British expat couple that bought a dilapidated castle in France for like 200,000 euros and then spends the entire series, they're in like series six or seven now, just renovating it and updating it. Um, and she's like, we should do that in Ireland. So she wants to find like a dilapidated castle for almost Good. nobody and turn it into like a real Irish castle home. I swear to God, there are things that like that going. We also have a lot of beautiful um, sort of little islands, especially yeah. on the West Coast, like where you could, there are so many houses that you could buy and turn into, you know, some little castle. I don't know how many castles are going in Ireland, but like, go for it. You yeah. definitely, if you come, you'd have to have, have like the, it's the very, it's a cottage experience, if you know what I mean. Like you want to be drinking Guinness by the fire, you know, you want to be in like, it's kind of like the life that you're living in this um, room that you're in the cabin. <laughs> Yeah, but I had to fake this. The, the right hat. It's like a newsboy's hat and a and a nice, you know, Christmas sweater. <laughs> I I picked this hat specifically for this podcast because my yeah. wife got me a couple of Irish wool yeah. hats. Yeah, perfect. And so I thought this would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I've really faked the ex- kind of experience that I mean, legitimately, I'm staring at a blue sky outside. There's not a trace of winter, but I did want to give that appearance. So. Yeah, no, I think you'd fit right in. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, are there any uh, particular towns that you think are worth visiting or that we should definitely go see? I, I grew up going every summer to a small town in Cork called Allahees. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I swear to God, it's got like four pubs, one post office, and a church and that's it there is a a playground it's like a sort of i guess it's like a basketball court kind of a thing um beautiful beach about 45 minutes away from waterfalls and amazing walks and sort of mountain hikes and all that stuff but it was that was my summers was going there and just hanging out and you know being one with the island. Um, but it's kind of, I, I loved it because it was like, you knew everybody in town, you know, it was a, that just a really friendly feeling. Um, so I would recommend Allahees. It's, it's very far away though from Dublin. If you were going to come to Ireland, you'd want to do a few nights in Dublin, rent a car, kind of go around the coast of Ireland, go down to the south, go up the west, and maybe end in the bogs in Donegal. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, for, for being being a Southern Californian, the, the the being in the car part is not, you know, like even to think like, oh, well, gosh, you have to drive like two hours from Dublin. It's like it can take two hours to get from the east side of town to Santa Monica in Los Angeles. I, so, I know, I've so, lived in LA. It's horrific. <laughs> so we don't and, and I think at least in Ireland it's like it's gorgeous I've never been to Ireland I've been to Scotland 
and I've been all over um, uh, England, but I've always wanted to go to Ireland. It just feels like, uh, it just feels like green, just nothing but green. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is green, but it's also, you know, gray, gray and rainy. I think, I think they do like to say, you know, this is very green. Like the, the tourism, you know, group, they sort of hype up the green. Um, but there's a lot of rain too, just to warn you. Yeah, no, I I am, I am emotionally prepared for that. And I know I will probably grouse at it. And then my wife will think it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, it, there, there really is a personality. There really is a personality division in terms of, I don't know why she likes the gray, but she does not like sunshine and she does not like, she might be a vampire. She likes the night. I think I get along with your wife because I like to like close all the shutters and just stay inside. I hate like bright light. Yep. Yeah. She's a, she's a, yeah, she's, she, 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 like no one would know to look at her, but she is a goth. (laughs) She's a secret goth, like inside (laughs) just all, it's just all goth. Do you, uh, uh, is there like a, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you would know this, but is there like a comedy scene in Ireland that you're aware of? Is there like stand-up performance? Yeah, I, do, I don't know too much about it. I know everybody listens to Blind Boy, the Blind okay. Boy podcast, which you should definitely check out. Okay. Of also this guy called Mark Megan, who okay. who's kind of a big sort of social media comedian guy. Um, I know more about sort of like the Instagram, like Irish comedians. I don't know much about sort of the stand-up scene there. Um, I haven't been around it. So, and then, you know, I think I'd know if it was a big thing, but maybe I'm just clued out. I, I don't know. And when you went, at what point did you decide, cause you've been acting for quite a while now. Did you, was that just something that you always wanted to do? Did you feel like, oh, I need to go. I would imagine there's some, there is an industry in Ireland because we watch a lot of Irish horror movies. So I know that stuff gets made there, Yeah, but, but do you, but if you want to be an act, if you, if you want to be an actor and you're growing up in Ireland, you go, well, I, I probably, you know, there's, there are probably bigger industries and other places to go. Or is there is an option to just like stay and work in Ireland? It is an option, but I had sort of spent enough time in New York as a kid to know that I love New York. And I, I had this weird way of getting into the business. I had a tutor when I was 13 who, who, um, was a filmmaker and she, and she tutored on the side and she was independent filmmaker. And, um, she started writing these movies and sort of started getting me involved in like the production aspect. You know, I was like a runner and a PA on like her short films and stuff. And she ended up sort of putting me in a few scenes and then she wrote this film and gave me a part in it when I was 15. And it was very sort of low key and, um, you know, uh, my mom told me that it was going to be on like a camcorder. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I got to go to North Carolina to Wilmington uh, when I was 15 and like leave school for two weeks, which I thought was so fun. Like walking onto this million dollar production and having this amazing, like, just romance with acting and filmmaking and, you know, like how the crew becomes a family and like, you know, it's just so fun. Like every morning I remember just like, you know, running to the hair makeup trailer and I was just so obsessed with it. And so I came home kind of crazed about it. And that movie ended up going to the Tribeca film festival. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So I was 16 when that happened. And because of that, I ended up getting, an American agent. And so that's sort of why I ended up going, staying in, in America and working in America. And I wanted to study it and I really wanted to move to New York. So I, I applied to Tish and auditioned for that and I got in. So it kind of just fit that I would leave and, and go to New York. And so I was doing my auditions while I was still in college and that's sort of how it all began. What is the course study at Tish? How long, how long, how many years is the program? And what are you, 
what do you stay? Is it, is it, is it like a full sort of artistic education or do you just lean into the dramatic arts? Are they making you do a bunch of stuff? It's, I was telling someone this the other day. It is fantastic. I couldn't recommend it more. It's so smart the way that they do it. I mean, it's like any American college, like obviously you have to apply, you have to pass all the SAT, you know, the essay stuff. You have to get in, you have to pass the academics up first, and then you also have to be accepted with your audition. Um, and then for the drama program, you do, you get put into three, uh, you get put into a studio that does a specific method of acting. So there's Stella Adler, Meisner, um, Strasberg, there's, playwright theater company and all of that stuff so I got put into Adler and three days a week you go to Adler you do your practical training there which is like Shakespeare voice scene study movement ballet script analysis improv yada 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 and then the other two days it's all academic so there's a certain amount of um theater credits that you have to um fulfill so you have to do a bunch of theater studies you're reading and writing plays and doing all that stuff and then you have to do a certain amount of like um english courses and film courses and then you have loads of credits to fill up with whatever you want to fill up from the college of arts and sciences so i chose to go and do child psychology Um, yeah so i did i did a minor in that and that but other people you could go and do like linguistics you could do biology you could do french you could do art history um so they want you to kind of have you go and do business studies you know whatever you i had no idea yeah so they want you to be a really well-rounded artist is what they say like you know so it's not just learning how to be a good actor it's learning how to be a good businesswoman or whatever it is so you can sort of combine that and make a career for yourself rather than you know just like being good at Shakespeare. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code audio. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Well, and, and I feel like now the sort of the, the, the modern day performer has to be like five things, you know, it's like there's yeah. to be your own freaking marketer. You have to be your own uh, everything. And then it's not just, which I, I mean, I guess is good in a way because you, I feel like you probably get trained to do a lot of different things. Whereas, you know, if you were an actor 30 years ago, you were probably just an actor and really probably like just a TV actor or just a film actor or just a stage actor, but there was not a lot of crossover. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Marilyn Monroe and like Matt, Natalie Wood were, they were all producing their own productions. Like Marilyn Monroe was doing a lot of theater stuff that like nobody really talks about what she did, but you know, there is a sort of business side to, to it that I guess a lot of people just don't know or, or talk about openly or now they, they are because it's so about, you know, women stepping into right. you know powerful roles and all of that. But most of the actors that I know are usually developing their own work, writing their own work, you know, collaborating with their friends or colleagues or whatever. Cause it's kind of like, you can't wait you know, just for the audition to come in, you kind of have to just be, you know, making it up yourself. Otherwise, you know, otherwise your agent like has other clients, you know, they, they can't constantly be um, only working for you. And uh, I think that's kind of important. Like a lot of people don't, don't really know that. 
Right, because I think they assume like, oh, like, then your agent does all the work. And it's like, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you have to kind of give them stuff to do or give them material to work with or sort of create momentum on your own. And then they can kind of come in and help yeah. finish it off or get you to the next level. But you but you really can't rely on anyone ever. Yeah, you've got to, you've really got, you've got to like be moving the charge and then your agent is moving the charge on, on their side. And then you both come in and you combine and you work together and, um, but yeah, you sort of, you, you can, you have to be the driving force, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you have, if you're, if you're lucky to do that, I mean, if once you're in the business, I think that's when you can start to really gain some momentum. Um, are you writing and producing? Are you, are you, are you, is there anything you're thinking I, about? I, yeah, there's lots of things that I, I, I want to produce and it's just so hard getting stuff made. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's 100% what I'm interested in doing. Um, yeah. Are there certain types of stories that are intriguing to you or certain genres that you are le- that lean toward? Yeah, I find a lot of sort of like, I like really fascinated by mental illness. And I think that goes back to like me being obsessed with child psychology and it's cool, but um, there's some, some roles and some stories and some books like that, that I'm really interested in. And um, I, I don't know. I think it's hard sometimes when you have like, you know what you can do in your mind, but no, no one else really knows. So trying to find, uh, stories that will showcase that to people is it's just so necessary um so i don't really have one specific thing i just know that something different something that i know i can do that no one else would cast me in um that's the kind of that's the sort of sweet spot that also comes with having a really strong sense of who you are and what i mean like because it that sentence is a very powerful sentence. It's like, oh, I, you know, you know, in your head you can do it, but how do you? How do you explain it to people? Yeah. How do you explain that or manifest it? Because even when you're pitching stuff, you know what you're pitching, but to <laughs> yeah. someone else, they're just like, you can't just like photocopy the vision onto someone's brain. You have to like, that's a whole other process of like, spinning it onto a page or in a meeting it's so hard to pitch things because in your head you're like it's great and then it's sort of like this and you can't finish any sentences and you can't you know but it's a bit like have you seen that thing you know and everyone's going right um, okay lovely idea uh it's hard I'm sure you do this a lot well, it is. Yeah, I've been through the pitching process a lot. I, I prefer it more than the audition. I mean, I, I stopped auditioning for theatrical stuff like 20 years ago, but because I, I I feel like at least with pitching, you're not trying to fit into a pre-existing idea that someone has. And you're not also not as much. There's so many factors about about acting and getting cast and roles that you just can't control. Am I tall enough? Do I have the right hair color? Am I, how do I, you know, yeah. do I look like I make sense with the rest of the you know, yeah. oh, the director had a friend who, oh, they auditioned everyone, but they just hired their friend, you know, but at least with pitching, I feel like you can kind of weave a world and, and, and sell an idea a little more, but you're right. You get to those points where you're just like, and then <laughs> just do it. Would you just do it? And then I'll show you, please. Yeah, exactly. It's such a skill. Um, yeah. That I have not mastered at all yet, but I want to. Um, I, I, I will one day. Well, every time you think you've figured it out, it just isn't because every, every, every pitch is a little different, you know, like, so even though you think you might kind of know, and, and when you're pitching in a room, you just have no idea. Like they'll go, Oh, this was amazing. And then you never hear from them again where they pass. And then you feel like, Oh, they were about to fucking fall asleep and they go, Oh, they want to see pages. And you're like, really? So it, there's just no, I haven't figured out a rhyme or reason to it other than just be passionate and detailed. And and then you just kind of cross your fingers that they see what you see. Yeah. 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 I'll take that on. Be <laughs> <laughs> uh, passionate and detailed. Got it. Got it. Do you, do you write? Do you, are you a journaler? Do you write? No, that is one thing that I wish I did more of when I was younger because I, I just, I found it, you know, 
I remember talking to my mom about this and she's just such a funny Irish woman. She was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't like writing. She's like, oh, I'm not interested in writing. I mean, why would anyone care? (laughs) 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 If she wrote anything, but I'll never forget it. You know, she was like, I mean, why would anyone care? And I was like, you know what, you're right. Um, I always found like, you know, writing a diary or journaling or like, I just found it so painful. And then I had this sort of like guilt, you know, like I would go back years later and read my diary from when I was 15 and I'd be like, oh God, I can't believe I said, you know, why did I do that? Um, so I always felt a little bit awkward about writing, um, but it's something that everybody tells me I need to start doing. Um, and I just, I would rather have the ideas and be in a room with a writer and sort of bounce them back and forth than you know, me sitting down and being alone and, and with my own thoughts, I don't find that very exciting. I quite like to work with people and sort of totally vibe, vibe with the, you know, get an energy from someone and then go with that. Uh, so I would love to find like my dream writing partner and then sort of get into it that way rather than sitting at home being like, okay, now I'm going to write a script, you know? I totally agree because everyone, every different person or team that you collaborate with creates a different sort of emotional chemistry. And so everything has a little bit different of a flavor than if you're just at home writing on your own. Yeah. But you also reminded me how how much power parents wield and how careful you have to be. <laughs> Just, you might say something just sort of offhanded, like, like, oh, writing, I don't know, why would anyone do that? But then that all of a sudden just is like, it's like pouring cement into a child's mind. (laughs) It's singed into my brain, like every time I go to write something, I'm like, why would anyone care? You know, my mom probably can't Yeah, and you might ask them years later and they go like, I don't know what the fuck I said, what? I don't, I don't know, it wasn't even... I was half paying attention at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, when you were studying child psychology, was was did it did it sort of help um, inform the performance process as well? Absolutely, all that psychology stuff really does, um, and it's sort of one of the reasons why I quite like acting is is that element of it. It's like, who are these people? Why are they doing what they do? You know. Um, so yeah, the psychology was so interesting. My God, it was just amazing. Um, and I would still do it. Like, I still think like, okay, like sometimes I'm like, I just want to quit. Like, you know, fuck up. I think this is so stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what would I do? And I, I think I genuinely would like go and be like a child psychologist or something. I just find it so interesting. Yeah. But I probably would never do that. <laughs> I would. Well, that, that, that would be a lot of more work in schooling. Uh, it would be going back to college and yeah, I don't exactly. think I can make myself sit down and write all those essays again when I think about going back and like turning my minor into a major I'm like but I'd have to write all those essays again. <laughs> I was really happy to be done with that when I graduated I was like I can't do this anymore you know can't I just be a psychologist because I'm cool and yeah. I like talking to people what do I need <laughs> Exactly. You gotta write papers. Come on, I just, you know, like I'm just, I'm cool. I'm cool. Hang. Why can't I just yeah. help people that way? It's interesting for me. <laughs> I do. I want. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I want to figure out and the most respectful way to ask you about growing up with the sort of family dynamic that you had. Yeah. But I don't. But I also do therapy. Well, no, because I don't... um, Great segue. No, because I... (laughs) That was accidental, by the way. Speaking of child psychology, um, but but it's just because, you know, like, your dad is very famous, and and, and I'm sure a lot of people hit you with that. And I want to figure out, like, what is the most respectful way to talk about it or talk around it? Because you are a very accomplished performer that has nothing to do with any of that. And I would imagine like there are times where you're like, listen, I'm proud of my family, but I'm here to talk about this or I'm doing this. And that is my identity, not because of, you know, who I'm related to. Of course, I love my family, but I don't. So from your point of view, like what is the respectful way to approach it or talk about it or not at all? I mean, to be honest, I'm very like, 
okay with it. I mean, thank you for even asking that. That's so, you're like literally the first person who would ever even ask me that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Um, no, but usually, I mean, I think one thing that, you know, has been difficult is is the sort of the Bono's daughter uh, thing that, like, it has to be before Eve Hewson in, in it seems to be every article for the last 10 years of acting. And, um, you know, so that's something that you kind of always sort of are like, Oh gosh, I wish that they would just learn my name. You know, that would have been, that would be so kind of them. Um, but honestly, it's not, I totally understand why people are curious about it and want to ask me about it. And it's totally, you know, it's totally fine for people to ask me, um, but I think when I was younger, it felt more natural because I was a teenager or a, you know, very young adult. And so it was more natural for people to ask me about my parents, you know, like, how's right. your, you know, let's talk about your parents' career, your dad's career or whatever. But now that I'm like 29 turning 30, I'm like, this does make feel, a little, covered that? it does feel a little like. I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling old now. Like, you know, my friends are having kids and still, still um, talking about my dad, and you know, in every meeting or whatever. It does, it does feel a little strange the older that I get. Um, but I have to say, I think the more work I've done, the more people have sort of respected me for, for, for you know, being, I guess. Um, having my own career. Uh, so it's sort of naturally falling away. I think the more work I do, it will. And it's not something that I can really put much energy into, which is nice. It's more when I do press and when I'm, when I'm talking, that's when I'm reminded of it all the time, you know? Um, so you know, but it's good. Cause like oh, my whole family, like my brother's in a band and, um, my sister is re- really creative. She's like an accomplished poet. And so we're all quite, um, creative people and it's, we're naturally going to be, uh, talking about it. Right. And, you know, it's just like sort of the way it is. Yeah. Because, you know, I clearly, because you've worked on so much stuff and so much great stuff too. I mean, you know, especially like the Nick, which was such a cool show, you know, yeah. like you forged this career on your own. You chose to go to Tish. You you were cast in this thing, you know, and you wouldn't keep working on such cool stuff if you weren't good at what, you know, it's like you've earned your place in this business. And, and you. listen, you know, maybe there'll be a day where you see an article and it's, and it says like Eve Hewson's dad, Bono, you know what I mean? Like maybe it'll flip, you know? <laughs> Maybe. But um, I also think that I wonder, do you find that there's a little bit of a gift that you you saw the sort of weirdness of fame and all that is maybe not so real. So it you you make more artistic choices that aren't based on that you're not um uh there there's no allure to that kind of weird stuff about it. Do you feel like you're kind of impervious to all that stuff because of the way you grew up? What do you mean weird stuff? I mean, the weird fame stuff, this kind of like this stratum of like kind of, you know, fantasy life, not real. The perceptions that people have that, you know, it's like that has nothing to do with your humanity or who you are as a person or who you are as an artist, really. Um, And sort of growing up in that way, did did that sort of because some people will get into the business and they want to be famous and then they get really caught up in it. But I feel like would you say that you were never really um that didn't really hold any intrigue for you because you're like, I don't know. That's all that stuff's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, it's a strange thing because I think like fame gives you an identity. And so the, you know, amount of fame that I have gotten from my jobs has given me a sliver of my own identity in a strange way, because if I didn't have that, I would then uh, only ever be, known in sort of you know the world as from the outside looking in as Bono's daughter blah 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 so in a way I've, I've I feel like I've been able to sort of carve my out my own identity by choosing to be in that world right. and um 
but that being said, I do think like having sort of the inside look, you know, has helped. I remember a casting director saying to me, you know, like she was like, yeah, I, a lot of, I cast actually cast a lot of um, kids who have, you know, working actor parents or famous parents, whatever. And, and she was like, I swear to God, like they're actually very well behaved, like more well behaved than people expect them to be because they sometimes more so than the kids who've never been in Hollywood because the kids who have working actor parents, they understand how hard it is and they understand the work ethic. They, they've grown up and they've seen their parents every day, what they do to sort of stay in the business and to, to put out the work that they're putting out. Whereas, you know, a kid might come into Hollywood and like you said, sort of get caught up in it and not fully uh, comprehend um, the difficulty and, and sort of the pitfalls and all the things that you need to, you know, watch out for and how much hard work it takes, you know, to, to make good work. Um, So that kind of stuck with me. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And like, I do have some friends who have like, you know, famous parents who are in the business and, um, I think that that might be true. Like, you know, it's, it's, I felt, I liked that she said that at least it made me feel a little bit confident. <laughs> um, you know, I think people will make a lot of assumptions about, you know, kids who have famous parents like, Oh, everything's so easy. It's like, no, I, I mean, yeah, in some ways it might be, but in other ways, you know, the most important thing that we struggle with as humans is our identity. Who are we, you know, like, what do we stand for? What do we do? You know? And then when you kind of have this extra layer of like, okay, not only am I establishing my own identity, but now it seems to be linked to this other person (laughs) and sort of like, you kind of have to do a little bit of extra work because there might be preconceived notions or there might, or you might be inextricably linked to this other person at certain times. And so that's, I feel like that's really profound because you, you know, as everyone has a desire to establish your own identity, you know? Yeah. 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 And I also, you know, I grew up with like, you know, my dad's like, so obviously like clued into everything. And, you know, I remember like calling him once cause they were HBO or flying me to New York, you know, for some press thing. And, and like, they were flying me business class. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, it was like the first time I'd be like flown business class. And I, and I was like, dad, like they're flying me business class. Like to, to, to New York is so cool. And he was like, yeah. And they will drop you the minute your show's not hot. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, can you let me just experience this joy for one second? He was like, no. <laughs> He's like, understand that this is not real. You know, this is a moment in time. It has nothing to do with your worth as an actor, you know. And I was like, okay, it was a good le- lesson to learn, but he really likes to keep me in in check. That and is those- that is that is the um that's that's actually some constructive tough love because and I also appreciate that he said it has nothing to do with your worth. You know, yeah. like that stuff, it ebbs and it flows. And it does. It has, it has nothing to do with who you are. Enjoy it now while, you know, like, because it's fun and the seats are comfier. But but don't let that, I mean, that's such an important statement because it's so easy. Do you do you feel like because what we do in the creative arts, there's there's, it's not like we manufacture a physical good. You know, it's not like you can sort of look at a spreadsheet and a flowchart and go, okay, well, here we go. We've made this many more things. So we are successful. Like you trying to find value and not accidentally misplace that value onto things that are not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very difficult. It's very difficult to stay on track because you like, how do we define what is a value? I don't know. I mean, for me, I've, I've learned, you know, I was lucky, like I, I started out in sort of really sort of artsy independent cinema. Like I did my first real movie when I was like 18 was um, with Paolo Sorrentino. And then I did Nicole Hall of Center and then I did The Nick. And so I kind of worked with like really sort of interesting filmmakers. And then I had like a weird, like commercial sort of experience. And I did Robin Hood and I did all these other things that, and it kind of got like, commercial and Hollywood and I I didn't like it but it all it all sort of you know 
nobody really watched The Nick, which was quite strange. Like, it was on Cinemax, and, like, Robin Hood did not do well, like, which is not a secret. And so I kind of, like, you know, I never got, like, a big aha boom sort of moment where, like, everybody knew my name and I was walking down the street and they were all looking at me, you know. So I've always just gone out of, like, the success is 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 the work that I put into it and how I feel accomplished after. And also the experience of like, did I meet people that I liked? Did I learn from these people? You know, because I can never really tell like what the response is going to be on something. And I'm lucky that I kind of didn't have like, I wasn't in some big box office hit early on. Um, It's kind of been a really strange, like meandering of a career. I think like for, for me, it's been, really good and really strange and, and sort of in and out and up and down. And, um, I'm, I'm, I find it, I'm lucky that my work is not so much tied to sort of a a massive, uh, big success. Right. Um, and I've basically just been like, you know, the lessons that I've learned on good projects or projects that I regret or whatever it is, that's that's really what I can take from it is that's that's the most important thing T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Um. Yeah, that, that, and that's a great, that's a great takeaway because I, I think the people who do, you know, I think one of the worst things that can happen to someone is the first thing out of the gate is a huge box office hit. Exactly. It's, it's can, really not good. That can fuck you up and also distort your expectations and also make you think that that's how things have to be. And I don't think, I think that life, and I don't think that many people are able to really do it that well, that life of the box office star feels like it has a lot of its own stresses and trappings than yeah. just someone who can kind of like, you know, like come and go, pick and choose things, work on cool stuff, but not really be tethered by this weird fucked up value system, you know? It's really, and it's really, it's confusing, I think, for, for actors because, you know, there's this whole, like, you know, box office, like, hi, what is, what do they call it? What is the term they call, like, your box office value or how, you know, however you can, like, can you green light this movie because of, like, how much money your last movie made and, you know, you can't get that job because of, like, those numbers and, um, it's a tricky world. You can get like sucked into that, I think. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, I feel like the, the actors that I like working with and are the ones who've had sort of more, um, you know, surprising careers. And, and it's usually, it's usually the, the actors that are only doing those box office movies that I, I, I find, um, are more difficult actually to act with. Um, so I think like just valuing any experience, whether it's good or bad or small or big is, you know, there's always a lesson to be learned. And, and that's, that's, I think the most, you know, that's why I like doing it. Yeah. Um, because I go, okay, like I, I might go on to that job and I don't know how to play that character at all. I really don't. I'm terrified. And then I'll, I'll finish it and I'll go, oh, I learned something new about myself or I actually, I actually could do that or, you know, um, or that director really helped me. I really liked working with that director and how they, you know, 
helped me through that, I'll remember that one day, you know, if I direct something. So those are the things that I care about when I choose a job. That's Um, amazing because that's the most important. That's the stuff that you can control, you know, and also that's the stuff where you're growing. You don't really grow because you get more or less popular. And it's ironic that that very idea of like, okay, yeah, enjoy it now. Cause the second, you know, that idea of like putting our worth into external things that don't mean anything is literally what social media runs on. Like everyone experiences that now there's like, now there's a metric and people define themselves by that metric. And so it is kind of a weird, it is kind of weird that that idea has now spilled into the general populace, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. I, the social media will, it's, it's going to kill everyone's artistry for sure. <laughs> it's just going to. Well, how do, you, how do you push all that away and ignore it? And how do you remind yourself to like just focus on the task at hand and what's meaningful to you in the moment and not get, not go down any of those paths? Honestly, I've always had people being really bizarre and and weirdly fanatic with my family. So like, you know, that's never bothered me. Like the internet's always been a bizarre place for me to to (laughs) Oh my God, I'm sure, of course, of course. You know, so I've always learned like not really to trust it. It's not like I was like, you know, you know, I had a Facebook profile and it was just my friends from school. It was always, you know, a lot of you two fans trying to get in and steal all my photos and do some right. shit. So, so I don't know. I've just always had been put that separate and um, like I've Instagram and I didn't have Instagram for ages. And then they were like, Oh, I hadn't worked in a while. And they were like, Oh, like, you know, this fashion company will pay you X amount of money to go to their event post on Instagram. I was like, what? (laughs) How much money? (laughs) It's like, absolutely. And they were like, you don't have an Instagram. I was like, I'll get one. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It was the most incredible night of my life. I felt like a Kardashian. I was like, this is why they do it. I hadn't worked in a while. And like, you know, I needed to make money. Like I had to. I'd been read it on time. And, so I did it and I was like, cool. And then I, I got, I kind of like, I kind of keep my Instagram to mostly movie based stuff. That's why I try and keep it to is I'm not sharing like family pictures or boyfriendy pictures or anything like that. It's mainly just like, you know, the photo shoots that I do and like announcements of what I'm going to be in and trailers and stuff like that. I try to keep it that so, you know, it's simple to that. And then, you know, I don't share anything else. Um, sometimes I share pictures of my cat, but she's gorgeous and she's worth it. <laughs> well, and that's also interesting too, because it is, um, when I, I sort of think about the difference between a, a musician and an actor in the sense that, uh, you know, a musician, and your dad did this a lot too, of like, you, you can sort of perform as a persona that mm. is separate from who you are and you could do interviews as that persona because as a musician, that's acceptable. But as an actor, you do play characters, but when you start to talk to people about it, you're expected to be Eve, the person, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so it's, it's, it's more difficult to create a persona as an actor that gives you that separation from who you are and who like, you know, like that. I mean, I, you know, uh, years ago, Paul McCartney was on the podcast and, and he was talking about like the performance version of him. He referred to as that guy. There was, Mm -hmm. there was like an immediate separation, but I feel like actors still to a degree are like, when you post on Instagram, you're still Eve. You're not, you know, like Eve, this persona. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Like my therapist actually suggested I do this because I was having a difficult time on, on a, on a set. And I was like, I felt really kind of bogged down by it all. And and she was like, I think you need to kind of like literally come up with a persona for who you are on, on set, you know, who you are, like Eve, the actress, and obviously you're playing a character so that you don't feel sort of, um, uh, attacked by this energy that you're getting on set and you, you can kind of protect yourself. And so that when you go home, you know, you can 
then actually be you and and feel like there's some sort of like mental separation and emotional separation between work life and home life and um I've been thinking about that a lot when we have to do press and stuff and like just how you kind of do have to be sort of a different persona, a different version of yourself. And it's kind of healthy even to, to even come up with like who you want to be. Like there's so many different characters I could, you know, you know, express to these interviews. I could come up with any story I want to tell them. It could be completely fabricated and they would run with it. You know, that's a really brilliant that's a really brilliant tactic too, especially for people who don't even work in a necessarily creative arts, but maybe have a job they hate or a work environment they don't like is being able to create that sort of armor to say like, oh, well, that's that's work me. Yeah. Because at least it prevents it from seeping into, it, from internalizing it and personalizing it and keeping it sort of separate. Like, I don't like my job or I don't really like the people I work with, but that doesn't have to be me. I mean- I constantly, when I was younger, I used to think, you know, your you are your career. And as I've gotten older and a bit wiser, I think, no, you're not your career. Your career is just a thing you do, but it's not yeah. you. It's just a thing yeah. you do. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the blows and, and all of that and the successes, you know, maybe you don't take them so personally in, in a good way, you know, like, yeah it's so important to sort of try and figure out who you are without all of that. You know, you're not the sum of your successes or your failures and you, you kind of need to, you need to sort of create some healthy barrier um, because otherwise you just won't survive. It's so up and down the business. It's just so up and down um, that you'll just lose your mind. And also successes and failures, even thinking in that construct are not, um, there's nothing present about it, you know, like, uh, Success and failure is really sort of a hindsight. Uh, it's a past, it's kind of a past um, view of the world because you don't know if something is a success or failure, you know, from that point of until it's done and it comes out and you, you know, but then if you focus on that, that's living in the past and you're not being present. So this idea that you're talking about, I'm just sort of like, you know, did I learn stuff? What am I doing in the moment? How do I, like, that's, I think, really the best life success you can you can have because that's that's where the growth happens not whether or not something is defined as you know you have no control over how it's defined really so why focus on that yeah i agree um do you think uh at some point uh the things that you start producing as you kind of sort of tease a little bit do you think it's going to really start revolving around psychology, child psychology? Do you think you will get to express this sort of like that your your psychologist desires rather than having to go write essays? Yeah, technically the scripts. You know, maybe you can turn in some of these scripts and be like, "Here's my dissertation," but it's also yeah, true. True, I could do that. Um, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, honestly, just the idea of being able to have more creative control over the things that I'm doing. Like, I know I drive directors nuts. Like they have told me, I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You know, I said the shot up like that. Okay. You know, like, and they're like, Eve, get out. Um, I want to be involved in that, in that, in those decisions I want to be like I would my dream would be to for directors to like take me into the editing suite or like you know like I like so badly want that so whatever it is whether it's like about psychology or whatever I just really am excited to kind of be more than an actor um because I love acting but I genuinely love filmmaking I really really do the whole process of it and I love movies so I just want to be more involved. Well, they're just different storyteller mediums, right? And as an actor, you really only get to tell one point of view and you don't really have a lot of control over how that's done. Yeah. You can sort of approximate, but you don't know what takes they're going to use. You don't know how it's going to cut together. You don't. So I would imagine it would probably be really um, liberating to be able to sort of have that kind of, you know, overall puppeteer storyteller view of it to be able to kind of like make it what you want. Yeah, I would, it would be just so fun and just a dream. It would probably not be good for me. I would be like drunk with control, you know, I'd be like, 
<laughs> yes, if you if you evil laugh every day at work, like that is that is a foreseeable issue. Yeah, oh boy, we got the evil laugh. Shit's gonna go sideways today. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you uh, Behind Her Eyes is on Netflix now? The yeah. whole uh, is it. Um, is it a is it a, is it a thing that might have a season two or is it just like a self enclosed story? I wouldn't be able to say that. Ah, that was yeah. a dumb question. I'm sorry. Um. Uh. No. No. I wouldn't be able to say. However, we have. It was a, a very famous book, and we have yes. stole this. We have so we have told the story of the book, and so I think if there was a season two, Sarah Pinbro, who who wrote the book, would have to be involved. Um it would take some creative minds to sort of come up with how we could do a season two. Yeah. Um, but you'll see what I mean when you get to episode six. So, you know, obviously the weight of, of the last year has been heavy on, on, on the world. Um, but, you know, in as much as I like to try to look at, you know, like what's positive, those little nuggets of hope that we can just stuff in our soul and kind of wrap ourselves around is there anything in particular that you're excited about right now or looking forward to or joyful about or a- anything? could be anything. A hobby. Yeah, I, have a, I have a number one hit show. <laughs> this is what I'm taking from this pandemic is that my show is number one on Netflix. Eve, that doesn't define your value. We've covered this. No, but it's not. like talking about, like, it's not about success. It's not about success, but my show is number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about personal growth, creativity. Right, right, right. And also number one show. Number one shows up. But I have a number one show. Yeah, number one show. It's about personal growth with a number one show. Yes. It's not that having a number one show defines who we are, but it does help a lot of things. <laughs> it does help you sleep at night. <laughs> what uh it, what's what do you think is the first thing you're gonna do once everything kind of opens back up is it just to like go to a pub or just go to a theme oh, i i want to go to a pub and get a guinness nice i just i'm i'm dying for that that's what i want to do i just want to go to a pub with my friends and drink guinness and get drunk and like spit on each other's faces it's going to be amazing <laughs> <laughs> This is okay now. What do you say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't do this for like a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get the vaccine in my eyeballs and then I'm going to (laughs) go. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I hope you had a nice time. I did. I did. Thank you so much. Behind Her Eyes is on Netflix, uh, the entire series. And uh, please come back anytime. Thank you. I will. I'd I'd love to. Uh, the end. ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Graw. At these family dinners, delicious everyone. Dysfunction is served. Wow. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump. It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hope it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. It's mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So... Dinner next Friday, everyone. Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free, only on Freebie.